Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, where we discuss the latest Messianic music, video, and art. I'm David Kasdan, a Messianic musician, filmmaker, and artist. For this episode, I was able to interview my good friend, Mark Erickson. Mark's been my friend for several years, and he's been my bandmate for several years. He was my bandmate in Netzer, and he is currently my bandmate in the bands The Trees Will Know and The Pear Republic. One thing in the interview that we mentioned but didn't clarify uh, was the singing tree. At the University of California, San Diego, there are a few sculptures that look exactly like trees. Or they're, I think, metal bolted on trees. I forget what happened. One of the trees plays audio recordings. And it's kind of interesting because you can be walking in a forest and suddenly hear um, some music from, or different types of art when did you start learning uh, guitar? I started pretty much at the end of middle school. I had a I had a friend who wanted me to play, play bass and guitar and play do music with him with our little just that's a dorky little middle school thing. So I started in there and then I started playing more so with the as I was a freshman in high school. I had uh, my brother's old guitar and picked up. Uh, our youth group's worship book list and started trying to learn those songs well, along with a bunch of MXPX songs and whatever punk I could find on the internet to uh, to pick up and record or play around with, I mean. Uh, what was your youth group and uh, church group like uh, growing up? Uh, we were, we it was pretty, it was a school. I went to a Protestant church. It was called the Covenant Church, the Hill Covenant. It was a uh, pretty pretty big youth group at times it would it would range between like at the smallest it would be about 30 and then at the biggest it'd be about 60 or 70 and then on some of our like retreats we would, we would get to up to like 80 or so but uh so we it was a pretty big youth group uh we would, we did a lot of games a lot of playing a lot of outreach there's people from my my high school who would go there um some some people were from the church and then some people, uh, they just happen to be friends with friends. So, just go like that. So there's a lot of activities besides services? Yeah, so, well, we did, so they, we did, uh, like, youth retreats of going to, like, houseboat trips or, you know, ski week, ski weekend. And then we did and some regular re- uh, outreach trips. And in addition to the, I think we had, in addition to, like, the Sunday school or in small groups that we, all, that we also did. It was like a youth youth event, and then uh, and then some small small little like events okay. that we would do. So did you play regularly in the youth band? Yeah. Eventually, yeah, we had we had some really good players in there, who, uh, and and then kind of when those guys got old and moved on, to like college or you know went to other areas. I started playing. I think around my junior and senior year is when I helped. When it's when I was leading the youth group more regularly at the church at the, the youth group. 
Okay, so you said you were leading uh, the group for a while? Yeah, but at the end of high school. Uh, I, th I mean, but I, I initially just started to learn the songs because I, I want, just wanted to learn them. And right. because I wanted to play guitar. It's pretty shy. <laughs> so I would just, it was just a, it was a fun way to learn a lot of them. And that was the, the you know, it was, a, like, it was a pretty wide range of music, mostly softer and acoustic, but some upbeat popular alternative but and uh, you know i would learn like matchbox 20 those types of groups uh were you able to learn a lot um uh, musically from those songs or were they kind of the uh standard four chords um were kind of worship songs yeah i mean a lot of them were standard four chord songs uh they weren't all in g <laughs> uh in e minor and c and d so so i mean i did i did learn the four chords that I, were, that I was learning were also, you know, the A minor, E minor, D, that type of, those type of progressions, and F and F sharp, and some B sevens. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't just four chord. A lot of it was fairly straight chord pop, though. Like four chord verse, and then maybe a bridge. Might, might add in a couple, couple different chords. And then I was interested in punk music at the same time, too. So it was... And grunge music, so that was it. Provided uh, variety, even though I don't think I don't think I was the greatest guitarist. <laughs> it still, still wasn't the most complicated stuff, but had variety at least the songwriting style. Okay, uh, what type of shows were you able to to go to uh, growing up? <laughs> That's an awesome question. Um, I went to a lot, a lot of Christian shows. I saw Super Tones, Five Iron Frenzy. I saw Super Tones a bunch of times. Five Iron Frenzy, The W's. Um, my first, my first concert. So my sister, my sister knows the guys from Switchfoot. Uh, growing up, or uh, one of her, one of her good friends, um, ended up marrying the drummer. So I, we knew, we knew of them, of those guys back in '96. So I, they were one of my first, first concerts in, in 1996. Uh, I saw them in Great America, and then at this small church, I think they played with Third Day. So a lot of those those types of events. Also went to some secular shows. Was able to see STP and Red Hot Chili Peppers together. Uh, well, I used to go, yeah, I, I used to go to a bunch of di different shows, punk, punk, mostly punk rock, and, and then later some more metal. Um, as I got as I got into metal, and later. When I was I got older, like seventeen, eighteen, yeah, but probably probably saw ten times as many shows back then as I do now, if not more. Right, it's it's you know people's schedules and you know there's a lot more you can do when you're older and you know it's you know and I guess yeah I mean you know people's schedules and you know and work and all that makes yeah. it harder. Um, yeah, one of the funny things I. I like to say I saw the band Hoopastank. I saw them three times while going because I went to see Incubus twice, and then one time I went to go see 311. <laughs> they just happened to be playing. Oh, and then another time I was going to see Dredge, Phantom Planet, and then they happened to be playing as well. But anyways, yeah, it, I it was like uh, Aaron and I went to see. We ended up seeing uh, Reliant K, and it was. Like, cause when they they were an opening band, like we had no idea oh, yeah. who they were, so that was that was fun to see that. Um, you remember who you were going to see? 
Oh yeah, no, it was the same themes. It was Supertones and and Switchfoot. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, it, you know, Supertones was my first CD. I actually got it for um, I I got a CD for my bar mitzvah. Like, uh, okay. Which one? Do you remember which one? Uh, yeah, Strike Back. And it was funny because like uh, the first. Oh, Strike Back, yeah. Yeah, Supertones Strike Back. So the, I think it was like I, I popped in the CD once and then like you know, thought the first song was too loud and didn't even bother to listen to it for a while, but then, you know, eventually got got into it, and that was like, you know, it was like that, and Jars of Clay were like two bands that I, mm, I yeah. it was like the only two bands I listened to, like, before high school, because then once I get into high school, then, you know, other people were actively promoting music, and then, you know, and then when you have a car, then you're listening to the radio and stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those concerts were they, um, like if it's Christian bands, were they playing at churches? Were they playing like Christian themed events, or was it like at uh, all age places? Um. Well, a lot of so I mentioned. I think I mentioned Great America. That was one of the, one of the things I used to like to do. So Great America, they would have concerts there, and you could and you could for like about the price of the admission to the park, you'd get a concert and and a ride to the get going on all the rides. So I'd go to go to those uh, on the like usually in the spring around this time of year. Uh, they they'd have one of those. And then the other some of the other ones were a lot of them were at churches. Um, there was I don't know how, how many churches do this nowadays, but there was a there was a a church and they had a ministry where they had kind of a more of a concert venue that they would that they would promote like most of the christian concerts were a christian related places um except for the the theme parks and then and then but then i also did just go to you know all ages shows I like the war i think it's the warfield and all but those are like the, the secular secular groups yeah it's the same thing i don't know if it's less common now or just that we're out of the loop but yeah i remember the i remember once like you know our our youth group going you know and driving to like a you know christian event and like where they'd have a bunch of bands you know what i mean so i mean that yeah would be that would be really cool and i enjoyed that um and yeah actually and i went to uh, knott's berry farm in southern california once where they had a I think it was yeah Switchfoot again. Like I, I ended up seeing like Switchfoot like <laughs> eight or so times. Um, yeah. How did you first? So you you mentioned like you knew Switchfoot way before. Like I I knew, yeah. I think I first heard Switchfoot like right when uh, New Way to Be Human like CD came out. Like I just yeah found That's... a record store and then knew it was a San Diego band. But which is still pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, but you knew. Way go, but um, what's the connection? Because um, you grew up in the Bay Area of California, and Switchfoot right. was in, you know, San Diego, like northern San Diego area. So, how how did you find out, or how the, you know you have friends that were connected with them? I just my, one of my my sister had a good friend who a really good friend from high school who went down to UC San Diego, and then got to know got to know the guys down there and then she and she married she ended up marrying chad butler the drummer 
their drummer. So that was that was the connection. So she just had a really good friend, and it was her friends. Her at the, you know at the time they were they like I, I think I met the guys and when I think Chad may have graduated from college, or he was still they were still in college, and they had just um, it was a, a right like right before New Way to Be Human, but they were they were just like a small small band who you know they happened to be just on a christian label playing around and it was like my sister's just she just knew the friend she just knew her friend that was interested in the guy and then they later got married yeah so so we were we were just like oh this is the, we, it was just our this little thing we had legend legend of chan my brother and i were talking about this recently because we were uh he has this Switchfoot CD that's stuck in his CD player, so we've been listening to it on our commute. And uh, they have they put the song "Concrete Girl" um, on. That's from Legend of Chin. Uh, they put they put that on their like their best of or greatest hits or this retrospective CD that they put out. And we were talking about how how great "Concrete Girl" is as a, as a song, but it's just a it's just a random song, just a little funny song. Anyways. <laughs> so. yeah okay so um uh you graduated um high school was a plan to do community college and then go to ucsd yeah yep yeah, exactly i tried i went to east to Quito college for a couple of years then transferred to uc san diego that's where i met you <laughs> right um were you involved in anything in uh, community college yeah hey, uh, you mean like church yeah or or i don't know what I've never been to a, I mean, a community college, so you, I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you if you watch the TV show Community, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of having like a, a random mix of people there, it's kind of like that. Uh, I was pretty busy. I worked for the YMCA both years. I worked for the church my freshman year of college, so I was, I was working about thirty hours a week my first year, and then while well, going to school, pretty fairly full time. Oh, and then, you for what did you uh, work for the church for? I was a junior high youth intern, like the youth pastor oh, at the, oh. the junior high. I was just <laughs> just just out of high school, so I, I was I was the one returning a volunteer guy. So I, I did that um, that first year. It's pretty busy, busy time. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's not like, I mean, it's not like you see. San Diego or other colleges, community colleges, mostly uh, people are, you know, good. They just commute to school, right? And then, and then leave, you know, leave. Sometimes you hang out there, depending on your time. And then, but most people are driven. For me, I wanted to get through that in two years and, and get move on to the move on to college as well. Okay, yeah. So the at UCSD, um, did you get involved in university right away? Yes, I did. Uh, when um, my dad kind of recommended it to me, and so and then when I went down there, uh, I don't know if it was through the switch. It may have been through kind of the switchbook guys again. Uh, my sister told this guy Ryan Pfeiffer, or you remember you remember Ryan Pfeiffer? Oh, definitely. So, so I met him. I met him like in the summer when I first went down there. So uh, he he invited me. He, he like took me out to eat, get I think maybe Rubio's or Chipotle, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we went to uh, 
so I met a couple couple of guys there who were like, like uh, I know Chris Wheatley was one of them, a couple of other leaders. And then I went to like a Bible study in the, in the summer. So it's kind of, I didn't really know anybody, you know, but you know, I ended up meeting Eric Winter and then you pretty, pretty early on. I think I went to like the first university, big, big, large group, I think was the first yeah. one. I think it was someone from InterVarsity over the summer um, decided to check out K-Lot Ariel. Um, okay. Just messing next to the guy he'd heard about it. I'll have to, I'll have to remember. I think it was, I think it might have been Lars. Um, oh, really? He checked it out? Yeah. I, I'd, well, I guess, I mean, I really don't remember any conversations or that, but they had a thing where they were doing like a, a get together like a couple in a couple weeks before the uh the school started and it was just kind of you know people from hanging out and yeah definitely i met uh ryan pfeiffer and uh yeah and uh the rest of the guys there so i you know i had the connection there but i'm sure i would have found out anyway because you know it's you know <laughs> definitely going around and checking out you know places that had you know free food and yeah you know, an university is such a large group um yeah. And I think that they were involved right in Six College right from the beginning, weren't they? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they had, you know, UCSD is divided into like six colleges, which is like, a, you know, just kind of like different dorm areas. And, you know, people are kind of, people sign up like based on a theme, even though, you know, it's not <laughs> that important. Like, I, you know, I, right. I definitely... I had some idea I wanted to do something related to technology and art, but I wasn't quite sure what. You know, I originally wanted to be, like, a computer programmer. Yeah. I wanted to do something free, so I went to Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, free and open, the description. Free. Was it, like, the least number of classes, or just well, that's what's it, available? It ended up being the least number of classes, but I just went with the description that, like, it just was about... Free and individual. Oh yeah. Flexible. <laughs> the theme of it, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they, you know, came over and, uh, um, you know, had the colleges right away, and yeah, it was. I guess it was Lars and no, it was Chris and Chris and Katie. I think was were leading the the small groups there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was good that they had like a Bible study for freshmen for each of the college areas like that made it convenient plus they did like activities and stuff um so i mean for for me i know they had the you know the freshman you know lots of freshman activities and i think the would you say the group was university is like half freshman you know usually yeah maybe a third i, I, don't, I don't know it's hard to tell it's huge though so right it's that i mean it's at least it's Freshman of the Vegas class, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. But it was, like, how many people do you think, you know, came to university, like, the weekly things? Somewhere between, like, 200 and 350, right, would you say? Yeah, something like that, and it got larger, you know, over the years. Yeah. Um. Did they have – so did, um, did you get involved with, like, different groups right away, or um, – or were you just attending for a while? Uh, I did. I did the mirror. I think the mirror Bible study. I did that one specifically, and then like the, the mirror. Yeah, the 
miracle study on on campus later i helped lead lead a small group but uh mere yeah just mere bible study and then i i would just go wander over to a couple of people whose uh, places where i knew where they lived close to off campus i, li- I lived at the ralph's parking lot do you remember that oh like where they had like buildings above you know a shopping center or something so that one the ones above <laughs> the ones above were on the save on side which i also or yeah i think it was save on which i also ended up living in but and the but my first my first time there i was i was in the route in the ralph's where it's kind of like to by the side where you go around to the movie theater okay uh, and kind of near trader joe's it's uh so i lived in that in that parking lot area so that mean did you uh walk to school take a bus ride a bike yep i uh most of the times i would take the shuttle take the bus uh yeah i don't, yeah. I don't think i walked too too often <laughs> i had to go up that big hill right yeah I, I tried you know i i did actually did my share of bike riding but i think you know it wasn't toward until senior year but i would do that i would get like some some days I'd get like halfway up the hill. Some days I'd get like a quarter of the way up the hill and then walk the rest. But then, you know, yeah, I, I liked the campus a lot more once I I didn't bring my bicycle in the like junior or something. And then oh right, you know, then I was like go all the all over campus wherever. Well, it's a it's a nice campus. I don't know were there good bike paths. I don't remember there being. See, I I used to have this roller backpack, and I remember I had I'd have to there were paths. But there weren't any direct paths, <laughs> so I would take I would take my roller backpack across the grass and across the gravel <laughs> through the trees <laughs> because yeah, it was funny. Oh, there there weren't that many good bike paths. I mean, there were you know there's a lot of pedestrian areas which you know yeah could either be you know free or you know completely crowded. I was able to do some like I had a you know cheap mountain bike that I I did so I did my share of you know, riding, like, in the groves and stuff. It's not like there's yeah. a lot of grass. It was, like, you know... More like, yeah, slightly off-road. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like dirt or, or something like that. Yeah. You know, the first year you're attending a Bible study, um, when did you start um, getting involved in, like, uh, you know, start leading your own... or being part of leading a Bible study? I think I did that... Uh, my 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 second year of, of college. So that first year, uh, yeah, it was it was my second year. I uh, after kind of like the summer, I I decided to sign up for the, the leadership group, or maybe somebody talked to me about it. So I did that one. I did the uh with Jackie Andrada. We we co-led a Romans Bible study went through Romans and then and then we went went through second Corinthians second half of the year and I and then and then the following fall which was my you know after I graduated I came back for just the fall um because I didn't I needed more credits and then I that was when I did the the multimedia group with Josh Gallo yeah so what was your uh background with uh using software and stuff for art Oh uh, well, I was as a communication major. Uh, I was interested more in the media and the music side. When I was over at Foothill College back in the in junior college, 
the initial thing that brought me to that specific community college was I was interested in this like saw audio production side of uh, like program there, which I, I didn't end up doing because I wanted to transfer in two years and most of their credits are it's based on this they're, they're non-transferable credits, so I didn't do those. But when I went down to UC San Diego as in the communication program, uh, I did as I did as many editing and and um, and and like filmmaking classes look good. So I did documentary filmmaking, uh, a couple couple different production and editing classes, uh, sound production class, and then and they're not they're not heavy on the software. It's more it's it's more about coming up with a concept and like a communication concept, trying to communicate an idea and use use the media tools to express that um, but and then, and then I also I purchased uh, final a student version of Final Cut Pro which had the soundtrack to go along to go along with it but I guess a student version of Final Cut Pro so I could do some video editing just a little bit just a little bit of that type of what kind of audio projects were you doing um, the coolest stuff that I did I, I think it's still on pure volume purevolume.com I could, I could look that up um but there was we did one on there's this thing called take back the night it ended up um so like once i think we're once a year they do this thing called take back the night it's a candlelight visual and it's for people who have gone through you know personal or relationship abuse and so and so they have a candlelight visual and some people go up on stage and share and it's just about it's about them recovering from that so we did one about showing that one another kind of presenting that and it, that one and one in the one of the trees in the woods the over at UCSD uh, another another one we, we like simulate simulated a roller coaster just using like my roller backpack and some other some other found sound items just random sound items that we make like like that or okay. rolling rolling backpacks the so simulator roller, co roller coaster and then another one was the um uh making i did one on the refugees of sudan because i knew i was going to go to work on that documentary or i was going to go to egypt that time um what kind of things were the multimedia team at university doing Oh, uh, well, a lot of it, a lot of it was Josh working on, well, some, you know, and, and Jason had like some worship slides and just basic announcements. Those, those two guys doing some basic announcements stuff and, and like worship slides. Do you remember like how they, when we had like during the worship songs, we'd have like these cool little videos going in the background, like a sunset during one of the songs. I think just just vaguely. Uh, I mean, I I know that they had you know some high tech stuff, and I you know and I remember that they used to do some like fun or poignant videos, like kind of short bit videos for the you know as part yeah. of the service, like as either an introduction or I think maybe to illustrate the talk. Yeah, I remember there was one of the uh, one of the videos I remember with Josh. We uh, we started off this hokey it was for catalina and so we used this old song that i, that I had uh this old i think 50s or 60s song because 
26 miles across the sea. Santa Catalina is the place for me. Santa Catalina, the island of romance. Romance, romance, romance. And then we so we just showed some hokey like iMovie, I uh, Ken Burns effect on, on pictures with that song going. And then it, it cut into, uh, uh, I think, probably a Black Eyed Peas <laughs> song, song with, with more in- interesting footage after that. But I don't know. It was just one something to keep get everybody interested in. We did some of the, a couple of those little video projects. Oh, cool. And when did you start getting uh, your own video equipment for things? Or... Uh, mostly... Uh, I mean, I had this video camera that I, I think I may have even bought it with, with my own money sometime around, uh, sometime in early college, first or second year, probably my second year. And then, you know, looking back, I didn't, it was, the footage wasn't that good, but I just wanted to play around with it and do some, play around with some documentary styles and see what the camera looks like when you point it. Just in the direction and then also for UCSD for those projects you could just I would check out the, the cameras from like the ones we did for the Shabbat Shalom video just check out the video from the uh, from yeah for, the for that my, my freshman year um, it was one of the nice things about this six college that I went to is that they did have cameras you could check out but I mean yeah there was yeah it seems like ancient days where you know not everyone had you know cheap digital technology so you actually had to yeah go to a place and that's cool where you could check out a camera it was like either 24 hours or if you check it out on friday you could do it you could check it out for the weekend but you'd have to reserve it you know enough in advance because otherwise people would you know obviously people would want it for the weekends and then you could also i mean i had to check out editing time i don't know if uh if you had to do that, because you had your system. Yeah, no, we did. We did. We had to do that. We had to check the editing time. You know, it's funny, because nowadays, you know, one of the, those cameras, the, you can get probably better cameras than we, we were using. But they, at the time, they would have cost maybe $4,000 from Fry's or from some type of computer camera store or even going getting them on Amazon.com. But now, I think you could probably get something for... Quality is great. Somewhere between eight hundred and fifteen hundred dollars. Something that would have cost four thousand, four thousand dollars back then. Yeah, I think so, it's something like that. I mean, the obviously, so the, you know, a camera that I got two years ago for five hundred dollars is, you know, it's not in every aspect, but overall, it's a much better camera than it was, you know, than the cameras we're using because you know it's high definition and it's really good. You know, it's clear and, you know, and it's great in night, you know, night vision yeah. and stuff. I mean, not night vision, but that is really good in dark environments. And yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have all the, the manual settings, but it's, you know, small. And then, you know, I'm selling the, you know, I was trying to unload um, my oldest camera, which like for $100 now, and that's not the, you know, it's the same it's basically the same type of camera that the, you know, the smallest camera that you can get from, you can check out from there. When did you do your trip to Egypt? 
Uh, so I did that. I was supposed to initially graduate in 2005 in the spring, and then I did, but I decided to go on that trip to Egypt, and that was the summer of 2005. So I, I graduated. I walked. I came back to UCSD after that, but it was that summer, 2005. I think July or maybe August. No, it was mostly August. It may have started. I think it started in the end of July, because it was five weeks, five week trip. Yeah. Okay, and what were you doing in Egypt? Mostly, what we what we went there to do is uh, hang out with Sudanese refugees. So refugees who had come up from Sudan at the time. That was before they they signed. Well, they had just signed the peace peace treaty. Um, so there were a lot of refugees living in Egypt at the time. That was before it split up in between North and South. And then, so hanging out with them, hearing their stories, and working on the documentary about their lives. And then the rest, and then ha the other half of the time was just living in, breathing and walking around Cairo, hanging out with the random people that you meet <laughs> in the big city. Saw the pyramids later. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, tell me a little about the documentary. Uh, so, yeah, we, um, Tiffany, Tiffany directed it. Um, and it was, um, we, we had a team of, I think it was six of us, who we just brainst kind of brainstormed what we wanted to share. And then we would interview the Sydney's. And the documentary is pretty cool because. What's the name? Well, it's called it's called a long walk home. A long walk home. Let me let me look up something. Else. I'm gonna see if it's the website still. Right, right. Uh, long walk home film. So, yes, it is still up. Um, it's about. It's all from it's it, it shows only Sudanese refugees who are living in Cairo and it, it has them sharing their story about the war. There's this dance group there called Gamara Gamara Dance Group. Uh, but it's all it's all through interviews and with them on the screen and, and then images of Cairo or their culture. Some of them hanging out, a bunch of kids, and they tell they tell the story of how the war started, um, why they left their country, some of the things they saw, a lot of some, a lot of them saw a lot of tra tragedy, and then how their life is in Cairo, what they're, what they're trying to do. Uh, and then we were, happened to be there when they had this leader, John Garang. He was Southern Sudan leader, military leader, and he died in a helicopter crash while we were in Egypt. Uh, so it was, so that, that moment is captured on there. And it's it's kind of trying to show show people that there are these people who have left their country and they as refugees they don't really have much help um, except for they do have a lot of joy but they they, they could use help um, because you know they're trying to trying to make it in America or Australia or at the time in Egypt and still dealing with some of the pressures from back home. Okay. Um, yeah, she said it's a long walk home film dot org. Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Um, since you did um, 
I think it's you said technical assistance on the film or yeah I did I mean a lot of I, did, I, helped, I helped brainstorm the the kind of the overall like like what what do we want to show what was our narrative going to be and then I, I edited a couple sequences I think I I did camera work on like one or two little interviews part of the time you know a lot of the times we were we were split up into different sites because part of the time we were working on this documentary and then part of the time we were just also like you know teaching kids english or you know the guys we went over to this place called wadi natron to do this, this little ministry over there but yeah so we were we were split up so i i didn't i didn't get to do as much of the documentary as i would have liked but i, I did edit some did a little bit of sound and helped helped put the the story in place. Edited some of the middle parts. It was pretty long. I mean, we the the film ended up being around 40, 45 minutes, but obviously our footage was at least three times as long as that, if not more. So it was it was about finding, like going through the the footage and finding what are the pieces that we could use or what 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 can we understand. Okay, so how long did it take to film, and how long did it take to edit the film? Uh, well, the filming took place just during the five weeks that we were there. So whatever, I mean, maybe a cup, a cup, a few hours per day while we were there of interviews. I think is what it is what it was. Um, and then. And then the editing, we did, we tried to do as much editing as possible while we were in the country. I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to remember exactly all the time. Um, and then some of it was like, we would just, we would do it as we were available and as we could come around. So it, it did, it did take a while, like at least another month or two after, after we got back to finish, like to finish up the film. And then they did the sound soundtrack, put it put it together. Okay, and um, how was the film released? Uh, it was released mostly through. So we put. I mean, we had a DVD, but we mostly through events and screenings. And we we go around people, try to. I, I know we did a, a screening at a coffee shop. In San Diego, or a couple of them, a couple of their little film film locations down there. I think we did something at UCSD, though I'm not sure. They did some up in LA, and then also the, there's a there's a grassroots network of people who are involved with Sunnis uh, in different parts of the of the country. So I know a lot of those people were able to find out about about the production and we kind of emailed around so i know like there was so so people could find out about it even if they weren't um like in san diego and, you know people are around the, around the country have, have been involved in Sudanese related and refugee related releases so they were they were interested in it so mostly word of mouth and, and grassroots we're now going to play mark's audio piece called refugees of sudan He's a young man, handsomely decorated, 
I approached you um, about joining my band in fall of 2005 when we got back um, at the University of California, San Diego. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. That sounds probably about right. So my band basically started like a, a high school worship band. And like a lot of high school worship bands, we were, you know, constantly losing members and getting new members. But we were actually getting a little older because um, there wasn't any uh, young people starting up. So we were looking for guitars at the time. And I knew that you played um, guitar and pretty interesting person. So I, I just approached you about um, was did I just approach you about practicing or anything like that? I think it was like I remember you, like that first time we met in anniversary. You mentioned you mentioned the band, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This sounds interesting." Messianic Jewish band. You were also in the hard rock, and at that time you were like, "It was kind of like, uh, hey, you want to come practice? And you should record, <laughs> help us record." It was about it was both asking and hey, uh, you want to yeah. come practice with us? You're in the band now. <laughs> okay well um did you know anything about uh messianic judaism or before you met me uh i think i knew i mean i i knew of jews for jesus and i knew of some things i definitely my church growing up did have a seder every so often okay and i and i i, I like i knew i liked matzah from actually a speech teacher a long time ago. but uh but i i didn't i was i wasn't clear on like the different groups exactly and how it like i didn't know anything about the mjaa or the umjc or anything like that before okay most, most of what i knew was from the bible <laughs> but you're um at least like a tiny bit jewish like ethnically uh ethnically. yes was there anything like uh passed down um, regarding that, uh, I know, I know that we we held we held it as something that was in, that we liked and that was important. My grandma's, I think it was my my grandma's grandma. I think it was you know full blooded. So it was you know through my mother's side. So we knew we knew that. I think it was one sixteen Jewish. I say I'm one sixteen Jewish, but it's on my mother's side. <laughs> oh, okay. So. Um, and then, but I think when my brother was in at UCLA, he tried to he tried to check into it, and so I think it was a, it was enough to qualify with, with some people, and then not enough. Obviously, like if we were to go to Israel, it would be more of a challenge because of Christian background. Right. I think there there are some rules regarding you know ethnically Jewish, even if you're not you know the exact religious Jewish beliefs, but it's you know it's kind of a, a gray area and. You know, it's it's kind of tough even if you're 100% Jewish, but, you know, believe in Yeshua or Jesus as the Messiah to be in Israel or to uh-huh. get in Israel. Yeah. Uh, where did we first practice? I, I forget. I think it was at, I think it was at your parents' place. Okay. With, uh, I, I know we had a couple different drummers. Right. Uh, initially, and I think, I think it was around the time. Maybe even that we went to play that one show. Was it? Did we do that Irvine show? And was that 2000, like early 2006? I think it was. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that sounds about right. The Irvine 
conference, MJ conferences in February. So it would either be February, yeah, it would be February 06 because it wouldn't have been February 7 because that would have been, you know, that would have been pretty close to the Messiah conference. I I would would have remembered that. Yeah, so played at the MJA in in February 2006. So that was a good early concert that I, I really liked. Um, yeah. I get the crowd into it. Um, you know, and it's a small group, you know, playing for the high school, mostly for high school students, but. They had a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know if the, it was the best sounding or something like, but we got like, you know, people moshing and stuff and I think that I had, it had fun playing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the, the first concert that we played or do we play some other places as well? Well, I, I know we did the radio station thing, and I, I think that was in the that may have been the fall before that, but I, I don't remember the exact timing of the radio station thing. Do you remember that? Was that after? Wait, you were... Because I know we did a radio station, because um, I know we did, like, you know, my band's first performance, like, with Nate McDonald and other people, like... Yeah. Like, not the TV station, but... No, no, no. A radio station, like. Uh, I think we, I think we all we did was re- maybe we just recorded there, for the branches and beat side, but that was probably after. Oh yeah, yeah, that might have been. We did that pretty early. That was, uh, I think we had started. Uh, maybe that was early 2006 as well. We started uh, recording some stuff at least, like we, we had um, a friend at UCSD that was, you know, doing recordings, like, was able to do a, like, a cheap recording studio thing, so we, and I mean, it would have sounded good, it's, like, you know, just using live tapes, not really editing, but yeah. able to, to layer it and got a few decent tracks out of it, yeah, they, they didn't actually play it for, on the, he just played some of the previous studio stuff that we had recorded earlier. Uh, oh, but he did, yeah, he played, he did put the other stuff on the radio. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I, I remember I saw you guys play at KA once or, t- or twice, uh, I, and, or, and you know, like just in the youth event. But that was before I joined, so I was watching. I was going oh, as really? a fan. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'd forgotten that. I guess yeah, we invited you. It was like a, was it like with a concert with Pound Foolish or? No, it was um, it was with. I don't know if they're there. Yeah, it was with Magnuson. Okay. That one. So I, I never saw Pound Foolish. Oh, okay. I never did one to one of those. And then I think I think with you, mostly, so there was the, we did the, so the thing in Irvine, and then later we did, um, we did some, some other KA, like Saturday, Saturday morning events. Maybe a, a private show, like, or like a small show like, right. for friends. And then, uh, I don't I forget when we went to, there's a time when we went to, like, we did a few shows just right back to back, but we went down to Mexico, was one of them, and then we also did a little cafe, but I can't remember the timeline on that. Yeah. Okay, well, we can just kind of skip around, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we did some uh, private shows, like, we kind of do that regularly, um, where we just play, you know, at our synagogue, and you know, maybe get one other band involved. You know, I mean, Magnuson was like kind of like it was just friends of ours, and there's Pound Foolish, which is like a Christian band that way. We'd gone to, I had gone to their shows and and stuff, so I think we can dock them into 
coming and playing with us once. That's pretty cool. Um, I forgot that you'd seen that you had seen us live. Um, what was the uh, what were the shows in Mexico? Like, uh, well, I don't remember when it, when it was. It was just no. I, I remember th- we. I think it was it was let's just say like 2006, 2007. But um, yeah, like what happened at the shows? What were the details on that? <laughs> that one was uh, so we ended up playing acoustic acoustic show and then they had they had one of the, the drummer from the uh what is it, what is their name the mexican band mexican. ephesus ephesus yeah so they play so they played um that was in, that was the one in tijuana so we on the on the cafe rooftop just after sunset we played played an acoustic set version yeah. and then ephesus played played the show after us i remember you singing <laughs> Growling a happy birthday, going happy birthday, happy <laughs> birthday, happy birthday, because it was one of the guys, uh, one of the guys who was there. It was his birthday. Nice. And then the other cafe show we did, we did. I forget if it was Six College or Warren or somewhere had this little cafe open mic, and somehow we got to, got to play there. So we played two or three songs, which is pretty cool. I think that was like the uh, event where it felt like showed up to a random total random group of people and got some people to pay attention while they were eating <laughs> do you remember that one oh, yeah no that was yeah i think we played yeah once at like yeah it was a dining hall and stuff um so i think what was that like our first like kind of quasi acoustic and obviously it wasn't acoustic because you know i don't have you know i have to plug in my bass i don't have an acoustic bass but it was kind of playing the softer kind of stuff yeah i think the first i mean the first one i think i think we went to the tijuana before then yeah and then that was soon after which is pretty cool though i mean i remember liking liking how it sounded and thinking it's, the songs translated well even though they were written written to be heavier they translated well some of them i you know, almost they almost sounded better i thought okay i think i also remember like you you did a video with us uh, or with me like after practice one time. And oh, so yeah. Was, yeah. Um, so which video I'm talking about? Are you talking about the early, early Shabbat Menu Hot video? Oh, no, no. I was, yeah. So we, I wasn't talking about that. Like, though, we, we tried to shoot a music video and it didn't, it didn't quite <laughs> work just because I think. Well, that was hilarious. Yeah. Well, first it was like trying too hard to be something that we're not kind of like, yeah. Just like trying to be cool. Or something, and then no, I was also, I was trying to be dorky. Oh, okay, <laughs> maybe that was the problem. Yeah, I think I and maybe that was um, not a near fault necessarily, but also is you know I hadn't really put the thought in it like doing multiple takes and getting you know things around. Yeah, we were just staring at the camera with our with our little stick figure drummer in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which you know carried on. We carried some ideas, and we learned from that for something else. And luckily, yeah. you know, not everything's, you know, at least it, not everything's on YouTube. I, I think it's yeah, good. not anymore. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was the video you were thinking of? I was thinking of the Metallica video thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Had this, yeah. That was your idea, right? Yeah, I had. Well, I had this idea sometime back in the day where. I said, well, okay, Metallica has a song wherever I may roam, and all these, all these uh, cell phones are trying to advertise 
on, you know, there's free roam or no roaming charges or wherever you you can roam, then you can you can use your cell phone. And we're not going to charge you. And then what if they combine that with Metallica and then maybe even a car commercial? <laughs> so I said well, that'd be a, that'd be a funny a funny concept. Yeah, it it worked. I think it was it was funny and the great thing about it is um, it's called flame bait. If you're yeah for that term, where you intentionally <laughs> intentionally kind of you intentionally rile people up online. So we got I like the title. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, so we got 70 comments because we got, like, actual Metallica fans arguing about it. Um, yeah, because you titled it, If Metallica Sold Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people thought, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, people saying no. That, you know, that's, it, I titled that because I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, but, uh, yeah, um, I titled that so that people would argue, like, that Metallica's already sold out and, you know, <laughs> Yeah, people like that. Well, I saw this great comic strip. It's actually by a guy that's a UCSD grad, but, you know, he's way older than us, so I haven't seen it. It's kind of a, a graph of success, and it's, like, from the fans' perspective, it's oh, basically, yeah. like, a bell curve, like, how much you like them in, because so oh, right. you like them when they're underground, and then there's a point where, like, it's a critical mass point where you like them the most, like, right as they're breaking or something like that, and then it goes down from there. Right, right. And then there's also the, you know, and then you stop liking them when they get super popular. And then there's a graph that shows from the uh, the artist's perspective. Yeah. It's just a curve that gets higher and higher. So, uh-huh. you know, as you get more popular, you, as an artist, you just get, you know, more popular and popular. And, you know, there's, for most people, there's no problem with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I think at our at our peak, we I think we averaged like a show a month, right? Like over maybe a year and a half stretch or something like that. Yeah, so we played in in Mexico, and then we played, we did play, we played for University once. Yes, we did. Yeah. At the missions banquet, right? Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that that went pretty well. I I felt like it got people's interest, and they were like, "Oh, what 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 is this?" Yeah. And we were, you know, we rocked out a little bit. Most, most, I think most everybody else was playing more acoustics, so, though, which is generally the case. We were just slightly heavier and heavier than, than some of the other groups. So this thing that we had talked about, they, they liked it. Yeah, so we did that, and then we played, uh, you know, at various youth conferences and stuff that would be like, uh, you know, 20 or 30 people. Yeah, sometimes I, I mix it up, like I think about the older, older shows, but, um, yeah. I did play the epicenter. We did play the epicenter. Remember that? Okay, yeah. I think that that was good. It was interesting. It was basically we showed kind of like, and I think it was a fun show, like overall, like or that we we played music that like I think we were entertaining even if we weren't the most talented. Yeah, and we were we were hardcore. That was again like I think we were pretty. That was like just after right before step we released Steadfast, right? Yeah. And we were just, I remember, like, we started off with Steadfast, that, that, that song Steadfast, right? I think right. we started off, so we were, like, so we were screaming at the audience right before, right before, like, right going heavy. So it was cool. I had a, I had a friend who, one of my roommates, he came to that show, and he told, he told me afterwards that one of the things that 
he he'd never really experienced before was the intensity of a like a hard rock show, <laughs> and how and how heavy how like the heavy intensity from from that you know is is like on a on a different type of level from you know you even even from like the pop pop punk side side of things you know going just going that aggressive with screaming and with like the the drop d chords it's a slightly different uh intensity <laughs> you know i'd say it's something that's probably better now but it had its own uh benefits um was that you know now it's the two of us you know singing and stuff and playing the instruments but before we had you know one or two singers that were separate from the the music they were playing an instrument um so i think they would uh it'd be a lot um wilder where we'd get where the singer could you know move around yeah move around well yeah move around as part of the live show and also move around and they can kind of improvise a lot with the vocals and we kind of have to figure out what to do to follow them oh yeah yeah and that's also i think that you know something that that happened over the years is now we're recording a lot before we play or we're recording demos at least and we have the the song exactly how we wanted and right back then we were still um we only locked it down set once we recorded on a cd years later after after playing it for a while oh yeah that's true that's one thing that we actually have like i do have a live recording for live audio recording from uh from that show and the the songs are longer wait from which show I have from the uh, epicenter one. Oh, cool! Huh. Yeah, the second one, yeah. I want to hear that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll send that to you. Um, or send me the good stuff. I guess. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I mean, it's you can listen. To it. It's interesting. It's uh, you know, the songs are all longer, and you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, and then, you know. Yeah. But also, I think that you know, working more on vocals. Basically, you were in the band for a year, and then we started recording. I mean, I'm sure we, I think we practiced some before we recorded. Um, yeah. So, so what was it like to practice and go into recording a CD? Well, that, that was, I mean, I, you, you had done it before for days, like, so now, but for me, that was, that was pretty darn cool. I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that. We, I remember we ate a lot of munchies, <laughs> those chips, uh, and and probably some jack, some jack and walks or other fast food stuff. But uh, we had to wake up early, but I I really I really enjoyed it. The practicing beforehand, we had Justin playing the drums, and I felt like we really we probably had our tightest sound as a full on band with the live show and, and recording, like at that at that time, just because. We were able to practice. We practiced. We practiced for I don't know a few weeks beforehand, just playing the songs in our head or without any vocals. So we had to remember all the changes exactly. Uh, and then we went in. We had to record with him in the studio. Do you remember? I I, I didn't have the headphones on, so we were like sitting sitting there, or my headphones were broken, so I had to. I had I was hearing mostly his drums, and then a little bit of my guitar in the background while he was recording drums. I came, we came back and then did oh, that's the, interesting. Yeah, the other Yeah, we, de we definitely, the three of us, um, you know, we, you know, were able to get the songs tied in. Those are some songs that we didn't, you know, they're rather difficult songs that, you know, we 
probably wisely decided not to play live any, anymore, or we just yeah. decided to play other stuff. So they're pretty complicated songs, and yeah, I had headphones so I could hear you fine and the drums fine, but it was also, it was just that I think Justin kind of, you know, wanting to push it to, you know, have everything, you know, mathematical or something like that, where he's really yeah, down like, oh, we play this riff, you know, four times, and then we go into this, and yeah, so I forgot about the headphone thing, but yeah, it was, I was, you know, basically just following, you know, the drums and then a little bit your lead, and then we kind of just force the we you know we got a tight recording where you know the vocals can move around a little but they you know we can't really you know we're we're controlling where the vocals go versus you know the other way around yeah which made made for like a i think a tight production i remember i remember going the day after that listening to the radio and just because we'd just been recording drums specifically or it's been between two days, I think eight hours between two days, just recording drums. I remember going and listening to the radio and trying to pick out specifically the drum, just the drum part, and saying what is what are the drums doing themselves, regardless of what the rest of the band's doing. And and that was one of the like I said, I still do this occasionally, and I did it before, but that that was just particularly intense. And how do how do these drums sound in particular? Because most people, unless you're a drummer, you don't tend to do that. And as a guitarist, I listen to other parts, but now, now I'm a little more clued into the drums. Yeah, I know we're talking about guitar and stuff. Um, I think, when did you start uh, messing around on drums? I mean, I know that you're not a you know, full person, but like I never learned drums. So when did you start kind of uh, practicing and doing some stuff with that? Well, the, I mean, well, remember that my friend who got me told me he wanted to play guitar. So I first played set on a drum set in middle school but uh i borrowed the youth the youth drums for a little while when i was in high school and i probably had those at my house for a total of a month so i would jam along to the pure funk album and then and then and then like aaron's drum set at your place i would would just play there and then now nowadays i try to do what i can with like i have a friend who has a drum set and and like acoustic set and, and an electronic drum set that's pretty fun to jam along to. So I'm I'm not very good, but it's at least fun to play. And it feels really good once you once you get used to it. <laughs> nice. Had you recorded um, vocals before for something? Or not? I mean, not like prof- not professional sounding. Uh, I've done vocals like musical theater. or... I recorded a song called in middle school I did this my friend and I did this parody of Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana called Looks Like a Circle <laughs> and it was about the the features of a circle so like pi diameter but that was that was all like cheap cheap middle school stuff so nothing professional and I had just that personal tape recorder for my own music yeah um what vocals did you um, do on the Steadfast album? Uh, I know I did some some like melodic harmonies on Shabbat Menuhat and Shalom Shalom Yerushalayim, just like the the high stuff like Yerushalayim, Shalom Yerushalayim, like that. Like I did something like that, and 
like light stuff like that on those songs and then uh and then mental toxin no, i did that hidden in the field yeah <laughs> and then um farewell to shadowlands i did the aslan will reveals eternity i think that's those, those are my parts okay so maybe you do something else right but no so you did those Yes, you did the hard echo. Um, was that something that we came up while we were jamming, or had you been doing the the hard echo on those songs live before? On which part? On which, which uh, song? Uh, mental toxins and. Uh... I think we did sometimes in practice, some you know sometimes live. Yeah, I think I did some of those. Okay. And then, but it was it was better in the studio. It was more refined and clear. Um, how did you feel um, about the softer songs that were on uh, uh, Steadfast? I liked them. I liked the I liked the sound. It's some. It's just like it was a funny break. Like I remember, I think we split up. I think we would have like Shabbat Menuhah was right before or right after Mental Toxins. <laughs> yeah, we did yeah. it before. Yeah, so they, that was like a funny break. But I I thought I I really liked the sound. I remember. I like the guitar tone in particular on Shalu uh, Shalom uh, Yerushalayim. And I like some of the wah wah effect on, on, on Shabbat Menuhat. Okay, well, do you have a, a favorite song um, from the album or a song that you want to highlight for us to play at the end of this podcast? Uh, okay, that's a good question. Okay, obviously there's Shabbat Shalom, but that one's been highlighted plenty. Uh, if I were to say to put a highlight on a song that people probably haven't heard in a while, or they may not know about, I would say put something like Farewell to Shadowlands on there. Or Entropy. Entropy is pretty, sounds pretty sweet. I think that sounds tight. Either of those well, songs. Yeah, I'll do Entropy. Um, okay, so well, let's... Uh... Yeah, we'll talk about the Shabbat Shalom video. Um, so we finished recording. We recorded in August and September of 2007, um, kind of like end of the summer before school started. And then, yeah. you know, I decided that it was probably that since we're only playing a few shows in the rest of the year, that I wanted to release it in January so we could have the uh, 2007 uh, copyright dice. I think I said that right. Jane, we recorded in 06 and then I wanted to release it in January of 2007. Yeah. And I think that that was fine. I don't know if we would have sold any more over the holiday period. Probably not. But, um, but in between, we were able to get a video um, out between that. I think we filmed it in, in one day in October. Um, so <laughs> why don't you tell me a little about the Shabbat Shalom video? Well, I, I just I remember we had the cameras. We I think we had two cameras, right? Um, from no, we even check. we only had a single camera. And we had two, one camera. Yeah, one. Okay, camera. So, so we set that up in the youth room. We used some lighting effects, as I mean, cheap lighting effects, where we turned off all the lights, but then used as much flooding light as we could on that one part of the youth stage. Zoomed in, so we had this cool little yellow background, and then. Used a couple different angles on that, and then the rest, and then the rest of it was just like going around there 
and finding stuff to play around with. I mean, I remember maybe with your handheld camera, I filmed you running up the stairs, and that ended up making it in there. I, maybe, I don't, maybe we planned that one out. Uh, I know you had footage from your, from your from other stuff around the synagogue. And the the really fun stuff that we we happened to see the in this the, the Saturday school room. Right, right. The uh, the the puppets and all of the wigs and we the closet was open for us take so we just said okay let's let's try putting this this stuff on and i think we even changed outfits but we put put on wigs and then and then used the puppets and then danced around as as much as possible yeah i know i know you had this the song queued up so we got to listen to it like 30 times that day right right i mean so you know couple things that worked in our our favor for that is that you know we learned to you know get a wide variety of shots and you know we're still you know lip syncing and stuff like that was fine um we re- reused the uh the puppet guy for the drummer um oh yeah yeah which people like and it's funny it's like a third <laughs> of the time people don't even notice it like just because yeah, but, but he's just there <laughs> but, yeah i remember we we did a little kick drum effect right at the beginning too where we we uh, just filmed, zoomed in on the, on the on the kick itself, hitting the drum, and and manually moved his leg. <laughs> yeah, it was basically like yeah, really, really low key puppet kind of stop motion it, kind of stuff. Change, we changed his face a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes he's smiling, and then sometimes he's got like a a number sign mouth or something. Yeah, I think I came up with a good idea for, like, the main shots, like, filming the music and stuff, and then you had the eye for filming the B-roll. Like, I think you came up with a kick thing. And then, the, you know, me the shot of me going up the stairs was you just deciding to take the camera and film something. Oh, yeah. And then how did you, you do that? The little, uh, you just you just do that on your own, that little Well, you little just, I mean, I kind of like, you know, do something for the camera or something like that. Yeah, which is good because like in then when we we edited this video together, um, it's probably the um, I'd say probably the only video that we edited you know working side by side in the same room. Yeah, that was a yep. <laughs> yeah, Late that nights, was, but good times. <laughs> yeah, and that was at the UCSD like editing room and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It was a cool process. I think we did like a tiny bit of the entropy video that way, but most I think you you probably edited most of that. Um, there was like a, a tiny bit there, but we had we had digital computer issues. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, no, I mean that was kind of by that point I kind of had my my setup and stuff. Like I when we got Shabbat Shalom, I still hadn't owned a camera. Yeah. I think I might have even borrowed a camera for the you know. I borrowed a camera for the Steadfast release day party. Um, oh, okay. So I got it somewhere later in 2007. Um, so Shabbat Shalom has been our most popular song, and it's you know, by far the most popular video. I think it's it's gotten more than 100,000 views if you add up the different sites. Okay, cool. Going into the studio, I didn't really even... I mean, I... I you know, I came up with a like the song ideas kind of like you know, I'm not necessarily as filler, but um, just kind of you know we need another song and kind of thing you know, and this would be a, a funny idea, but like I 
I didn't expect it to be a success going in, into the studio. Um, did you think that was going to be our like hit song? Oh, uh, well, I know. I I think uh, you like you played for me the little like you sent me a track of the like, the one of the older versions like with the flute and the. Yeah, it was it was like that with some layered vocals, and and it sounded really pretty and like either for kids or like a choir or something like that. Right. Um, and I I remember thinking that was catchy, and I knew I knew it was like a catchy. I knew it was one of the the popular popular songs. Uh, I had no idea what people would have thought. I think I think it also helped Aaron, Aaron's little techno version of it at the, for the second half of it. Yeah, I think that helped. Like yeah, I think the, we, the pop rock sound and plus the techno, I think is what made it. Yeah, do you remember um, why Aaron came up with a techno theme for it, or do you remember? A no, on that? I don't. Maybe, I, I don't know if I remember this story. Okay, so I came up with this. You know, I suggested that we do this song, and I think I played it off a computer and stuff. We're just practicing it in the basement, you know, not the basement, sorry, uh, in the garage, you know, my parents' garage, which is converted over, you know, so it's converted over to a bedroom, but the still, that's where we practiced a lot of the time, I think almost all the time. Yeah. And so Aaron and I, you know, that was our bedroom, and then we had a computer there, so Aaron was just chilling there on the computer, and he decided that he'd help us get the notes correct, because we were kind of... <laughs> taking a little while um coming up with the notes for the video nice and then used his uh audio keyboard tool like you know it's i forget the name of the software but it's like it's basically like garage band or whatever like fruity loops so yeah fruity loops so he's just putting in the notes to help us figure it out then like he decided to add a little bit of a beat to it and like that then we're really encouraging him and he wasn't that happy with it, but I was like, yeah, just send me it is as it is. And um, that was like just a little bit of stuff that he added in was enough for it to be, you know, the ending of that song. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I like the song, but I, I, I didn't think of it as a top song, but then once we did the video, then that was kind of yeah. the idea. And maybe, you know, it was just chance because it was like Shabbat Shalom was, the easiest song to make a music video for since we, you know, tried to make one for a different song and it didn't work. You know, it's like, what's, you know, a short song. Um, and, yeah. you know, the fact that we had the synagogue available. So, you know, that's something we could shoot without going to a, a different location and it'd be on the money. Once, once the video is coming together, then I, then I knew that was going to, I figured that was going to be a hit. Yeah. I mean, it's cool because, the nice thing about it is it's a simple song and it, it appeals I mean obviously every Saturday, right? Right. I mean and even Friday night song. And so it's it's a common it's a, it's a, along with in Jewish circles and then I, I would I would even um I think I played this, this I showed the video to my sister-in-law, you know, who had never heard of it before. She knew, you know, didn't know much about the Jewish culture, but she, she's like, oh, this is catchy. It's a bim bomb, bim bomb, bim bomb. <laughs> like, the, like the whole bim bomb thing has a wider appeal. And then Shabbat Shalom, you know, with, and then plus the haze. It's just, it's a simple, it's a simple concept that sounds catchy. And so, 
but it and it doesn't it's very jewish and at the at the same time it it appeals to people even if they've never heard the song before yeah, that, at least that's my take <laughs> oh yeah yeah i remember that i think we did a pretty cool cd release double concert um in when we released it in january of uh 2007 yeah that was, pretty that, was cool. that was crazy <laughs> yeah we played for both the you know the synagogue doing worship and then we did a concert of our own um, yeah i know long day but good times <laughs> There was a Chargers game on in the middle of the day, I think, or a Padres game, maybe it was. I no, no, I watching. Or I would guess it would be. Well, it wouldn't be Padres. It was. It was definitely football, and I think it was. I think it was just. It, it was playoffs, but it wasn't the Chargers. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Tijuana concert was actually after we'd done our second album, and um, I know we did a. We were part of a fundraiser. Um, we did part of a fundraiser concert at UC, UCSD. Um, yes. Students take action now, Darfur. The main thing is it was pretty sweet to play Price Center, I thought. Uh, and it was also cool to be on the compilation. We wrote that song, Is This Today? Most, it was mostly you. Uh, just add a little music to it. Um, and so we played, we played that song. Like trees, trees of the field was a lot of fun. I don't know. It was cool. I had some, I had some friends show up. What did you, what did you think about it? I thought it was, it was just fun to play punk rock in Price Center. <laughs> yeah, I think it was pretty good. I mean, I had a lot of fun playing, and I think we had, we had a pretty good live show by that point. Um, um, and even if you know, it's interesting because you can get a large crowd and people will listen even if they don't look like they're listening. So yeah, you know, lots of people watching. Sort of, and but yeah, yeah. it's nice in that we're playing like, you know, front and center. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's a place where people it's a random place, right? Because maybe it's changed now, but back then it wasn't um, it wasn't like a communal get get together place. It was mostly a bunch of random little lunch tables that people randomly come to uh, after they get their Panda Express or Rubio's or whatever they're getting. Right. But I felt I felt like that was a that was a way to bring several people who are around or passing through going to the bookstore to to bring their attention to a, a community event. Um, when did you graduate from UCSD? Well, like so, my final time was was uh, December two thousand two thousand five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, you'd been so I mean we. That was like after you graduated, um, you know, coming back to yeah. campus to play, and I guess you've been doing that for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I may have been by that time I was working for UCSD Temp Services. May have even been working for the parking, <laughs> parking, uh, parking department at that time. Okay. Sure. But or just maybe doing something else random around campus. I was still, I was still local. Right. Still close by. Okay, so you worked in parking, and then I also remember you, like you worked in the post office thing for UCSD. Yeah, well, it was like for the bookstore. I I, I drove around the, I did deliveries for the books bookstore. So, okay. For a little while. Was it like consistent jobs, or was it like kind of like a different job each day? Like the the parking the parking dispatcher thing, I had it for at least half a year. Or you know several months. I had that for several months. 
and then and then later I was working for the Alzheimer's Research Department for those here the regular. You know, one of the highlights is we did a um, in summer 2007 we uh, went to the MJAA Messiah Conference in Pennsylvania. Yes, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So was that the first time we did like a full um, sort of like real acoustic performance? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I think I think the one in in like at the dining hall. We did. I think the I think that the one in the dining hall could count, or definitely the one in, in Tijuana would count as that. Now that was now the one in the one at MJA. I I felt like was the best overall sound, and the most. I think we had like like the guy Stu we met. He he gives um like a like a drum set that we practice. Like the guitar tone sounded cool, even though even though it was in the marketplace, it was I, I thought it still sounded pretty cool. And then there was like a nice little crowd, even though it was in this open area. Yeah, so we got lots of people listening, but and then like lots of also people like around not listening. So there's kind of some background noise, but I think it. Yeah, you hear the random shofar going off, like <laughs> <laughs> the guys who were. I think selling the show far they're just testing them out. <laughs> or maybe they were just playing them because they wanted to, they were happy to be at the conference. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I've definitely heard like some random concerts or conferences like it messing like things where there'll be a random show far blast. Someone did that, you know, intentionally for us and we liked it for to open our the one time we played at a like a retreat in Idlewild. Yeah, that was cool. Let's see, and then we did a a couple songs for the youth at the Messiah conference. Uh huh. And that was a little interesting. Uh, it was. It went pretty well, but we we only got two songs to play. I think they kind of squeeze us in. Yeah. Yeah. So we only had two songs to play, but and I think one of them worked really well, and then the other didn't really work. Yeah. Well, we I remember like our drumming. That was probably the craziest drumming situation that we had. I think we had a kid who learned our songs. We played, <laughs> we played them like a couple times, right? Right. Like so. Yeah, I mean, we've had definitely had situations where we try to get drummers at the last minute, and you know, but that was the extreme on that. It was the extreme. But overall, it was like for me, it was cool. Um, even even still, it's kind of sometimes it's nice just to give people a. A taste of the music I, I know i remember talking to a guy after that about some of like the heavier music that also is still meaningful and has good lyrics and sometimes even just giving giving like youth kids a couple a couple heavier or just more interesting songs it's, it's fun and then they you know if they're interested then they'll, they'll keep going oh yeah no i think it was good to give variety and stuff and or at least you know encourage kind of encourage some people to, you know, make their own music. And I think yeah. it's definitely, you know, we're starting to hear, you know, a lot of different groups and stuff. And, yeah, it was fun in that way. And that was good. Oh, I think the Idlewild concert was actually, that was later. That was, like, 2009 or something. Or, oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite concerts, I think we, we had everything going together pretty well, was, uh, yeah, playing for Irvine the second time in, February of 2009. Yeah, that was cool. It was good. I think we had a good repertoire where we played a lot of hard stuff and and worked in the 
softer stuff well. And okay, well, um, I think that's, um, and I think that's kind of maybe the uh, maybe that concert is like the like the end of an era or something like that's when we kind of um, took things in in a different direction for um, you know our future bands. So yeah. I, I think what I'll do is yeah that's kind of an a good stopping point because even though we continued the name Netzer, I think it became, you know, something else, which, you know, hopefully will show that it's better. So where, if someone wants to get the Netzer CDs or music for download or the videos, where would they go? Uh, they would go, well, the, our Facebook page has a lot of it. So the Facebook page and yep, Facebook.com slash Netzer music, N-E-T-Z-E-R-M-U-S-I-C. And then we have the, our CD Baby page has a lot of it too, right? Um, right. You can listen, or it's all, it's on iTunes as well. And then if you also just randomly, if you have, you can just whatever you use, music provider, if you use one of those, like a Zoom or Spotify, you might be able to find us on there. Do, do a Google search. Make sure you find us though, not that other German Netzer band that's out there. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we have fun videos on youtube.com slash music, and it's facebook.com slash music, and then CD Baby, just search for Netzer or iTunes or Amazon. It's kind of interesting, and we'll talk about it in the next episode, but another band called Netzer, they kind of mashed it all together, but we get credit for the, we get credit for the ones we sell, they get credit, I mean, they get credit for their sale, so it's not really a confusion for that, but kind of that. So I'm going to close out this podcast with, um, I didn't mention that, yeah, the music video for Entropy was pretty fun, too. That was, you know, yeah. just briefly <laughs> mention what that video was? Well, yeah, that was the, I was driving around in the van playing instruments, uh, falling, <laughs> falling all over the place, which was filmed in a crazy way and almost as crazy as it looks. And we had Ken, right? We had Ken. Yeah, Ken playing for that. And but yeah, that was that was totally fun. And then what? Who was who was the band? Uh, what's the band called? It starts with an M. Mute Math. Didn't they? They copied our. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mute Math copied our video. They, I mean, they certainly did a lot better. And I'm sure they haven't heard of ours because you know. We, yeah, they probably uh, haven't. I think the you know the entropy video has gotten a couple thousand views. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's. It's worth a, a viral hit. Um, I actually don't think it's as crazy as it looks because um, we're driving around at like 10 miles an hour in a yeah. residential neighborhood that's got no cars on it. So it doesn't yeah. internally, though, it looks like, you know, <laughs> since there's moving traffic and since the car is moving and, you know, we're playing and stuff. And yeah, actually, we, used, yeah. we used a lot of the takes of us falling over. Yeah. When we were on turns. <laughs> yeah, I think that was good. Um yeah, and that was, I think we did, like that, and that was, like, we just shoot videos around our practices, and that was, like, one of the, one of the, the house concerts, you know, kind of thing. Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast. Like us on Facebook.com slash Messianic Media Send any comments to messianicmedia at gmail.com and you can subscribe to us on iTunes.